welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 18th of February 2018, entitled The Purpose of the Bible, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Here's Brother James Viney. Good evening. As you've probably guessed, I'm James Viney. Uh, if that's a surprise to you, wow. Um... So a little bit about myself. Um, those of you who haven't already been introduced, or I haven't been introduced to you uh, by Megan, um, I am her, Megan's boyfriend. Um, I'm very blessed to be so. Um, I'm also an uh, ex-student of your charming pastor. Um, and that's just so, so he might potentially bring me back sometime. <laughs> um, I'm 28 years old. I'm a country boy, not a city boy. I'm from a little northwest coastal town, uh, from, from a northwest coastal town in North Wales um, called Llanweirvechan. If you can't pronounce that, don't worry. Half the people in Wales can't pronounce it, so you're all right. Um, and that's those that might be slightly tipsy. So, hmm. But... Uh, so I've grown up there my entire life. The entire population of that town is about 4,000 max. And that's when all their families visiting them. Um, and not including the sheep. I've got five older siblings. Um, three half-siblings and two full-fledged siblings. That um, They're very blessed to have me as their youngest brother. <laughs> um, well, we all know in my family that I'm the favorite. If we make a joke of it, um, but let's face it, it's kind of the truth. Uh, every family has a favorite. <laughs> whether, they, whether they admit it or not, they do, and I happen to be he. Um, I left school when I was 16. I didn't have a great GCSE, should we say. Funnily um, enough, I didn't see the point in school. Hindsight's 2020, it's a great thing. I wish I saw the point in school back then. <laughs> Um, the reason, or part of the reason I didn't see the point in school, um, I already had a job lined up for when I left at 16. Uh, I was going to be a, a, a builder's apprentice, uh, which I'm very thankful for, because it taught me many skills. Um, and it helped me lose a lot of puppy fat that I had growing up. Um, I was a little bit of a little, little bit of a chubby lad, um, but I managed to lose a lot of that. Um, I learned a lot working as uh, an apprentice. I learned how to take a joke. I learned how to not fall for the, go look for a glass hammer, go get me some tartan paint. I learned not to fall for those very quickly. Um, I did fall for the, get me a glass nail. Spent 20 minutes looking in the van for a glass nail. Not one of my proudest moments, but a great story to look back on. I, I was just about to turn 18, and the business that I was with, the building company, uh, went bust. I didn't have great GCSEs. I didn't enjoy education. And I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I kind of fell into a depression. Um, I'm saying this not to, to uh, 
hopefully, well, I'm not saying this to lessen your opinion of me, but to show that um, I am perfectly imperfect. Just like everybody else, <laughs> I suffer from the human condition. I am not perfect. Um, I have my, my own issues, my own things that I deal with in, in life. I fell into depression. God used that. One of the great things about my hometown, especially in the summer, it is beautiful. It can be truly breathtaking. I'm five minutes' walk from the ocean. I'm five minutes' walk from the mountains. While that's a blessing, going through depression, it can be a curse. I saw natural ways to potentially end my life, make it look like an accident, so that I wouldn't have to upset my parents. James just went for a swim, and the tide got him, and I went down to the beach on a Friday night. Most clear-skied, sun-setting evening, just nice burnt orange, setting over the Isle of Anglesey. Beautiful. A little warm breeze blowing past. I'm sitting on the wall, looking out to the ocean, and yes, the thoughts were going through my head of, I could just hop on this, off this wall and just walk. That'd be it. I'd be the end. I wouldn't have to deal with these, these uh, depressive states, these dark thoughts that keep me awake at night. I wouldn't have to deal with that anymore. I wouldn't have to worry about how am I making my parents feel looking all doomy and gloomy around the house all the time? Then all of a sudden I hear a, James! Out of nowhere, I'm like, I have no friends who's calling my name. I had kind of become uh, a recluse after losing my job. And I was like, I, I don't hang out with anybody. Who's calling my name? I look around. And I see an old friend. When I say old friend, we had uh, become friends at a, um, an after-school club when we were 10 years old. When we, went, when we came time to go to uh, secondary school, we went to two separate schools. And I never saw him. I never saw him in, in eight years. He called out my name. Hello. I finally caught a glimpse of him, and I was like, "Oh, I, I remember you, Kane. I remember you." And so he starts asking me, "What are you doing down here?" I'm like, "Um, I'm just just going for a walk, you know, playing off." And what are you doing here, Kane? He tells me he's playing some volleyball, having some hot dogs with some friends. Invites me over. Great, free food. <laughs> Who can turn that down? So I go over, and and this over eager Irishman comes bouncing up to me. Hi there, I'm Mark. Hi. And he starts just talking to me, very um, excited. And I'm just a little bit scared of this very bubbly, bouncy uh, guy. And he then asks, so do you know what we're doing down here? Um, I looked at him, looked at the volleyball net, him, the net, him. I said, I'm going to guess volleyball. He goes, yes, but we're a church group. 
This is our outreach. It's called Friday Night Live. It's since changed to Connect now, because we want to connect our teens to God. And I was a little bit wary when he said, we're a church group. I never grew up in church. I always had the opinion, um, go to church, you're weird. Yeah, there's a little bit of truth in that, I think. Let's face it, not a bad thing. Just true. And they don't come much, much, much weirder than me, I'll tell you. But I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be pleasant, I'll be polite, I'll just let him carry on talking about church and how great it is. I've got a hot dog waiting for me. And I don't want to offend him and lose a chance on eating free food. Um, so I, I carried on talking with him for a little bit, then I went back over to my, my old friend Kane, and he invited me to church, church the next Sunday morning, and I was like, yeah, maybe... Uh, not trying not to commit myself to an actual decision. Um, Sunday comes and I wake up at like nine o'clock, nine o'clock in the morning. That was like sunrise for me at that point. <laughs> I never woke up at nine o'clock in the morning without three alarms waking me up. I get up and all of a sudden I just have it in my head, go to church. You need to go to church. I was like, okay, whatever. I'll go, I'll, I'll hang out with my friend Kane. He'll be there. If nothing else, it'll be a laugh. I'll go there and I get the usual uh, friendly church greeting, people coming up to introduce themselves to me and ask who I am and um, just saying I'm very blessed to have had that here. Um, so thank you for that. I sit down with Kane and... He starts talking in, in my left ear, and all I can think is, I love you, buddy, but shut up. I actually kind of want to hear what this preacher's saying. I've never heard words like he's saying. And it's, it's incredible. This is church. The music isn't stale and boring. It's kind of upbeat, and it's kind of fun. And... This guy stood up there. He's American. He's cool. I'd never really seen an American before that point, so it was really cool. Um, and he doesn't have a solid black shirt with just this one little white square of dog collar on him, and he's not speaking in Latin. And I'm like, okay, this is not church as as I've been taught. This is not what I've been told church is. This is this is great. Since then, I just started going to church every Sunday. I'd never been raised in church, like I said. So this was kind of out there and new. My parents thought it was a bit of a phase. That was 2007, uh, 2018 now, so it's a long phase. <laughs> It's, yeah. Still, I had these thoughts of, what's the point? I'd gone to BBF camp, and I got saved that week. Truly the best decision of my life. I felt an, an instant peace. It's almost like when you go swimming and you 
See how long you can hold your breath underwater for. And all of a sudden, you've had enough, your lungs are about to collapse, and you dive, dive, you jump back up above water, and <gasps> you can finally breathe again. That pressure is gone. Whatever was gripping you and squeezing the life out of you is gone. You can breathe again. It was an incredible moment for me. I was adopted into one of the biggest families. And it was incredible. I still suffer sometimes from depression. Unfortunately, that's one of the things Megan will have to deal with uh, if we continue uh, living life together. But God, in his entirety, in his incredible power, helps me get through it. 2007 was when I wanted to take my life. 2007, I accepted Jesus into my life. 2007, I wanted to give my life away again and only over to Jesus. I've never wanted to give my life up for anything or anyone else ever since. I'm completely sold out for Jesus. Fast forward a few years, 2012, after a few mistakes have been made, I decide to go to Bible college. I decide, you know, forget trying to figure out the pros and cons of this, that, and the other. I need to be into some deep, solid Bible teaching. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this Bible college gets put in front of me. Oh, there's an open day. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll go there. I'll see what it's like. I ask Mrs. Gritz uh, over in uh, Wolverhampton, but she's in Telford where the Bible College is at the moment. Uh, So out of curiosity, if I was to consider attending the Bible College, when might I start? I think she's going to say in a year's time. Oh, she can be here on Monday. You can start. Um... mm, uh, anxiety levels rising. Um, um, this is okay. Um, come on, James. You just said you need to stop trying to weigh up the pros and cons. You need to make a step of faith. Okay, I'll go. Scary. It was so scary. Um, I did. I learned so much in those three years. I feel like I grew uh, closer to God. I grew in. Some level of maturity. <laughs> I say some because you can ask Megan. I'm I'm still not the most mature of people. <laughs> um, especially if you see me uh, with any youth events, I'm I'm not the most mature. <laughs> but still, every now and then I hear, whether it's from myself or someone else, what's the point? The point in in what though? What I want to speak to you tonight about is this lovely book, or collection of books into one, uh, the Bible. Because this, this book has healed me many times, more than I can ever count, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, patched me up. Put me in a cast so that I can heal properly. 
And I want to show you how important it is. I get people asking me at work. I work at a co-op, by the way. Um, oh, if you ever want to test your, uh, put your, your Christian uh, resolve to the test, work in retail. That'll put your Christian resolve to the test. Uh, or customer service, of any sort, that'll put your Christian resolve to the test. I'm thankful, though, for the people that I do work with, because they do ask me openly questions. Not to just try and wind me up or get a rise out of me. Sometimes they, they genuinely actually want to know. So I've been asked sometimes, what's the point in the Bible? What's the point? You see, I think that to answer that question, we have to answer another one first. These same people that I've worked with have said to me before, the Bible, you believe it's true, correct, James? I'm like, yeah. From, from cover to cover, I believe it is true. If it says, um, well, whatever it says, I tend to believe it. You need to show me some severe, drastic evidence that lines up with other evidence, which lines up with other, 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 other a long list of evidence to, tell, to make me believe that it's not true. Okay, so that's a yes, you believe it's true. Yeah, basically. How can that be, James? The Bible's made up of loads of different books, right? Yes, correct. I'm impressed you know that. But it was written by, by men, right? Yes. So how can it be 100% true? Men lie. Why, how do you know they didn't just lie when they wrote that down? They're all different men. I'm like, oh my goodness. How do you prove someone isn't lying by word, by written word? And then they're dead long, long ago. It's like, look, I can't tell you that they, they were lying. I can't tell you that that uh, that John, Matthew, Luke, or any of them were lying. Here's what I do know. Here's what I do know. The Bible, and I should say this. What I'm about to say now is a, a direct quote from uh, a Casting Crown song. <laughs> it's a spoken, uh, spoken word section in uh, one of their songs, The Word is Alive. Love. Uh, personally, I love their songs. In the section of the song, it says, The Bible was inscribed over a period of 2,000 years, in times of war and in days of peace. By kings, physicians, tax collectors, farmers, fishermen, singers, and shepherds. The marvel is that a library so perfectly cohesive could have been produced by such a diverse crowd over a period of time which staggers the imagination. Jesus is its grand subject. Our good is design, and the glory of God is its end. The part I want to focus in on there is the types of men. It says, the Bible was inscribed over a period of 2,000 years, in times of war, and days of peace. So, just to start off with, um, in times of war, things would have been, if you think of yourself as a king or a soldier, you're not going to, you tend to not keep perfect record, and you know, you're very... Uh, energetic with what you're trying to say and what you're trying to do. And then in times of peace, those two types of writing would be completely, completely different. Now we look at the types of men by kings, physicians, 
tax collectors, farmers, uh, fishermen, singers, and shepherds. You wouldn't catch all those people in one room having a little conversation. Oh, by the way, did you hear about uh, what John the fisherman said? John, tell him. Tell the kingy over here. You wouldn't see that. And yet, everything in God's word, it all lines up. And I can't quite remember if it was Pastor Curtis that, that said this to me in, in Bible college or not. If it was one of the other uh, teachers that we had there. Someone asked, if someone says to you, uh, what would you say? What would you say if I came up to you and said that there's, you know, there's flaws in the Bible, there's holes in what it says? What would you say? And we had a few different answers. Of, um, well, I don't, I, I don't really know. Um, I haven't quite read all the Bible yet, so I can't say what is and what isn't in there. Um, but the most accurate answer was, show me. You say that there's flaws and holes in what the Bible says. Show me where they are. And no one can. No one can show you where one part of the Bible doesn't link up with the rest. It is so per- perfectly cohesive. It all flows from beginning to end, from cover to cover. So I've been asked, how can you believe it when it's written by men? Yes, it was written by men. By different kinds of men. From the poor to the rich, the royal to the soldier. It was, it was written by men. It was penned by mortal hands. If you have your Bibles with you, you could turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. We've answered the first question of how can you believe the Bible when it's written by so many men? Whilst they were all different men, they wouldn't have necessarily got together and got their heads together of right, okay, what was the ending of, uh, of your, your writings? Let me just make sure mine, mine matches up to yours. <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. Um, so it had to have been from one thought. We see that in, uh, in verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Yes, it was penned by mortal hand, but the words were given by God. We don't change the truth. The truth changes us. God tells us what the truth is. Now, in this day and age, we here, we are fortunate enough to have God's entire word. We have his word. He tells us the truth, and it changes us. If we try and change his word, it slowly stops becoming his word stars. I started to ask, what's the point? What's the point in the Bible? 
That was my first original question. What's the point in the Bible? You look to verse, uh, verse 17. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. God's word is there to instruct. Verse, verse 16, it says, it is profitable. God's word is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. See, the first one there in doctrine What's doctrine? Doctrine is teaching. It's what we believe. Our faith. What we believe. Ephesians 4, verse 14 says, That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait. To, uh, to deceive. See, God's word is there to tell us what our belief is, what we do believe, so that we're not deceived by other men. Uh, I know some very clever, smart men who would happily be able to deceive a lot of people. Um, that's an unfortunate skill that they have. See, this is where God's word comes in. It grounds us in our belief. It grounds us in our doctrine. If someone says something to you and you're not sure whether that's accurate or not, the good news is you can turn to the good news. You can turn to the Bible and you can look it up for yourself. You can look it up and say, hmm, I understand what you're saying. However, if you look right here, it says otherwise. If you believe in God's word and believe it to be 100% truth, you won't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Reproof. This is where we see, uh, through God's word, the areas of our lives that don't line up with his will, with what he wants. Proverbs 15, verse 5, says, A fool despiseth his father, uh, father's instruction, uh, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. I'm the youngest of six. Um, as such, I think I was a bit spoilt, <laughs> being the youngest. Uh, that's where the whole family joke of that I'm the favorite comes from, <laughs> really. <laughs> Um, my brothers and sisters say that I'm the golden child. Um, all, all said in tongue-in-cheek and just in jesting. However, I would sometimes take that too far and try and get, get away with, uh, with murder. <laughs> I try and get away with so much uh, in the household. But then I'd have my dad and my mum teaching me right and wrong. Um, I was fortunate, fortunate enough to learn from my brothers and sisters' mistakes and avoid, <laughs> avoid some punishment. Um, I love my parents, and I'm thankful that they never had to um, lay hand on me. I don't think if they had done, it wouldn't have been wrong. I would have deserved it. Um, they're also not the type of people who have do would have done it out of anger. Would have all been done in correction. And just look, 
you've done wrong here. I was thankful that I was able to learn uh, one from my brothers and sisters. Uh, I learned a lot from my parents. They told me. They told me what's right and what's wrong. And I was thankful enough to learn a lot from that. You see, we show, we show care for our own future when we listen to reproof. And we show lack of care when we don't. There's something we learned in Bible college, uh, nothetic, nothetic counseling, which is someone confronting you to provoke a change in your life. Not because they are a nosy, busybody person, because they care. Confrontation, uh, yeah, confrontation out of care to provoke change. Sometimes... Even the most faithful Christian can forget, can get angry, and just focus on the immediate emotion and thoughts. I'm thankful that we have our brothers and sisters help us with that. They'll, they'll come to us and they'll correct us. Point three within, that, uh, within chapter, within, sorry, within verse 16, correction. I already said that I learned quite a bit from my brother's and sister's mistakes. Um, anyone who has uh, a number of siblings, or even one sibling, um, can tell you that they've probably learned from a sibling's uh, mistake. Um, you know, uh, I, I saw my brother uh, hurting another child. Uh, I saw the uh, consequences of his actions, so I did not do what he did. I did not want those consequences. <laughs> uh, sometimes we still repeat the same mistakes. Uh, that's where the correction comes in. Anybody who has loving parents or guardians will receive correction. Whether it's verbal or, uh, as my cousins in Ireland uh, learnt, the wooden spoon. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, correction is loving. Lack of correction is not love. It's neglect. And God loves us enough to not neglect us, but to correct us. I know to le- I have learnt to look both ways before crossing the road. Because I almost ran into oncoming traffic when I was younger. And my parents, out of fear, terror of their their little boy, running into the streets and getting splatted by an oncoming Honda Civic. Out of fear, they grabbed me. And they're, they're, what are you doing? Don't you know? Look both ways, you stupid child. I'm like, I'm sorry, mom. I was terrified more because my mom was terrified. She corrected me. She told me. And rightly so. Had she not, I would have probably done it again. And this time it wouldn't have ended up so good. However, we don't always listen to correction or we forget. 
what we have learnt. A few years ago, I was on my bike, and I ran through a red light and straight into a car. And I, I remembered that lesson then very quickly. I was lying on the ground, I'm like, oh yeah, red lights mean stop. Thankfully, no major harm was done to me. More, more my pride than anything, but hey, hey my pride can always take a beating. <laughs> I learned, I need to learn from that correction. I need to remember the lessons that I've been taught, whether it's stopping at a red light or not reacting to someone's harsh words with more harsh words. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth. Even as a father, the son, in whom, in whom he delighteth. Correction is a sign of love. It may not feel like it in that moment, because in that moment you realize, I've done wrong here, otherwise I wouldn't need to be being corrected. I said earlier, hindsight's great. It's 2020. You look back on it and you think, oh yeah, I did do wrong there. And I, I have this thing now called respect because I was corrected. <laughs> great byproduct, that. And I'm thankful for correction. I would much rather be corrected than neglected any day of the week. Instruction in righteousness. This, simply put, is being taught or learning something uh, through, the, through the Bible, how to live right by God. Whilst the, that simple concept may seem simple, or that concept may seem simple, not always easy. Head knowledge is one thing. Actually, putting it all into practice in your life. Tough. Proverbs 23 verse 12. Proverbs 23 verse 12 says, apply, apply thine heart unto instruction and thine ears to the words of knowledge. That knowledge is God's word. His word is, it's there. In this day and age, quite frankly, we have no excuse. I don't have a Bible you have a smartphone? Yes. Hmm. There's an app for that. Do you know a church nearby? Yes. They'll give you one. You have the radio? I'm pretty sure there's a channel on there you can listen to. This day and age, whilst technology has its, its massive flaws and has, its, has a lot to answer for, it's... It's remarkable at what we can access nowadays. Uh, Pastor and I was, were talking earlier on. Uh, I was saying how when I write my sermon, I, I, write, I write as I speak. So there's not often much punctuation in there. It's like seven sentences down and, oh, better put a full stop in there. Take a breath. Or as I'm typing, oh, uh, no, that doesn't quite sign, sound right. Delete, 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 delete. 
pastors are saying how uh, when he started writing sermons, it was more um, scribble, scribble, scribble. Nope. Cross out, crumple up paper, throw away, start again. Oh, I've ruined that entire piece of paper and I got right the way down to the bottom. Oh, darn it. I must start again. Technology has its a lot to answer for, but a lot for us to be thankful for as well. Um, whilst Birmingham and North Wales isn't a massive, massive uh, distance away, I'm thankful for technology because I'm able to talk to, to Alex there. <laughs> and Megan occasionally. <laughs> I could just see her face saying, what are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> um, but I love that with, with our technology, we can easily access God's word anywhere, anytime. I have it on my phone. I have it on my tablet. I have the actual paper copy. It's on the internet, on millions of websites. It is there. It's easily accessed. You see, when I said earlier that different men from different walks in life all wrote the Bible, and that it all flowed from one mind, we've seen in the past few minutes, we've looked at several different scriptures, and it all kind of links up. One portion that I started with, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I took each of those, uh, in verse 16, I took each of those attributes, uh, the, uh, the uh, it's, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting my words, the uh, correction, uh, doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And I found Scriptures spanning through the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're all connected. They're all connected. Now, then I, I advise that whenever you do uh, read portions of Scripture, always read the entire chapter. That way you will have full context. So I advise, if you've made notes, um, any Scriptures I've uh, read out to you today, um, read the entire chapter. I do. It's, it's brilliant. My, I, I, I have to share this with you. Um, uh, yesterday, yesterday, yes, yesterday, um, uh, we had a fuse, a fuse camp reunion, and um, right at the end of it, I had a young young man. He's about fifteen. His name's Michael Corcoran. He's never been to church, or had never been to church up until about two weeks ago. I wake up Sunday morning. I get a message from him. He's a local boy in, in my village. Um, uh, I work with his mum. And I get a message from him. Hey, James, what, what time does the church start? Oh, yes. Really, it starts at 11, mate. I'll see you there. Awesome. Going on my way to church, I see him walking. Yes. He shares with me yesterday. James, I've been reading the Bible. It's gripping. I was like, I know. He starts telling me, it's kind of scary though. I'm like, yeah, I know. He's like, there's this one guy and he's got like thousands of demons in him. I can't remember his name. Legion. Yeah, that's him. I I started reading before I was, as I was going to bed. And I I couldn't stop. I know. 
And it was exciting. This lad, up to two weeks ago, had never considered going to church. For whatever reason, he started coming and he reads his Bible. That filled my heart with so much joy. I was so happy. That's what I love about God's word. It can reach so many people. And in so many ways. It's incredible. I want to end with this bit of scripture. Romans 15. Verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. That we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, we might have hope. That's what the Bible has been in my life. Hope. I'll be the first to admit that unfortunately, I don't read the Bible as often as I need to. That's something that I'm working on uh, changing in my life. But the Bible gives you it gives you healing. It gives you comfort. It gives you excitement, especially if you start reading through Judges. It's an incredible book, and it's so gory at times. I'm just saying. It's an incredible book. It gives you hope. What's the point of the Bible? We can grow closer to God. Now he can be with us. When he's not physically here with us, he's still here with us in his word. No matter who penned the words, he gave those men words. But we can have hope in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you now. God, God we thank you for your word for the hope you give us, the love and the patience that you show to us. God, I pray that in the dark times in our minds, we turn to you. And in the exciting, joyous times, we turn to you and praise your name. God, I pray that we learn from your word on a, on a daily basis. God, I pray that we can all grow closer to you. God, I love you. I thank you. In your son's name, I pray. Amen.